the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. We should look to the Lord for our help. Psalm 121 says, My help comes from the Lord, the maker in heaven of earth. We should look to the Lord. Not, not Egypt, not the world, not worldly solutions. And just like Israel, when they looked to Egypt and Egypt never came through for them, you know this. When we look to the world for our answers, we look to the world for our help, we, we look to the world to save us, the world disappoints. This world promises fame, fortune, pleasure, and happiness. For some, it provides those things in excess. For us, in our comfortable modern society with more comforts and challenges, this life is easy, and it lulls us into a kind of spiritual sleep. In the midst of that comfort and convenience, something deep inside always longs for something more. As Pastor Dan will point out in today's message, this world can't meet that need. It tries to distract you from it, but only God can fill that void. Now, here's Pastor Dan in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 29, for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Ezekiel 29. Well, this section of Ezekiel that we're currently in began back in chapter 25. It goes all the way to chapter 32. And in this section, God pronounces judgments on the nations that surrounded Israel. And the reason God will judge these nations is because of their mistreatment of the people of Israel, the Jewish people. Uh, I've mentioned before that in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells us at the end of the tribulation period, when he returns to the earth, he will once again judge the nations for their treatment or mistreatment of the people of Israel, the Jewish people, during the tribulation period. So this section of Ezekiel that we're in, it has a lot of judgment in it. And and one of the things it reminds us is that there there is a judgment. Uh, There will be a judgment. The Bible tells us that everyone has an appointment with death and, and judgment. And the only way that God has provided for us to escape that judgment is through faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, in this section now that we're in, Egypt is the seventh and final nation that is addressed by Ezekiel in this section here. Uh, the Lord spends four chapters addressing Egypt, more than any of the other nations that he's addressed in this section. And the Lord spends so much ink on the nation of, Is- of, of Egypt because Israel had such a long history with Egypt, right? I mean, they spent 400 years as slaves in the land of, of Egypt. But more than that, Israel also had a long history of looking to Egypt for help. 
in their time of need or in a time of crisis. Instead of looking to the Lord. They, they were constantly, continually doing that. Where the nation of Israel would turn to the Egyptians for help to rescue them in their time of of need, really going all the way back to Abraham. If you think about our Sunday morning study in the book of Genesis, when Abraham and Sarah came into the promised land, remember there was a famine in the land of Canaan. So Abraham went down to the land of Egypt instead of trusting God and praying and seeking for God's help. He went to Egypt. Uh, again, throughout their history as a nation, Israel often looked to Egypt when a crisis would arise. They would ask Egypt for help. Even in Ezekiel's day, even in Ezekiel's day, uh, you know, Judah, the southern kingdom of Judah, looked to Egypt for help instead of the Lord. I, they did it over and over, time and time again. They would look to Egypt, and Egypt wouldn't come through for them. Egypt would, would fail. Egypt wouldn't show up. Israel putting their hope in Egypt was like, Linus putting in his hope in the great pumpkin, right? The great pumpkin just never showed up. Egypt never showed up for Israel, but they kept looking to Egypt. Uh, Isaiah chapter 31 verse 1 says, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses, who trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong, but who, but who do not look to the Holy One of Israel, nor seek the Lord. Israel looked to Egypt. They put their, their trust in Egypt for help because Egypt had horses and Egypt had chariots and Egypt had horsemen. They had strength, worldly strength, human strength. And they thought that that's what they needed. Instead of praying and seeking the Lord and calling upon God, for help, they look to Egypt. Now, Egypt in the Bible is a picture of the world. The world. And as believers in Jesus Christ, we shouldn't look to the world for our help. Or look to the world to save us. Or put our hope in anything in this world. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. We should look to the Lord for our help. Psalm 121 says, My help comes from the Lord, the maker in heaven of earth. We should look to the Lord. Not, not Egypt, not the world, not worldly solutions. And just like Israel, when they looked to Egypt and Egypt never came through for them, you know this. When we look to the world for our answers, we look to the world for our help, we, we look to the world to save us, the world disappoints. It lets us down and it doesn't show up. So now we, we see this judgment against Egypt here in chapter 29, verse 1 gives us a a time stamp for this prophecy about Egypt. I like when there's a time stamp here. We're told in the 10th year, in the 10th month, on the 12th day of the month, the word of the Lord came to me saying. Now, on, on our calendar, this first message about Egypt came to Ezekiel. On our calendar, this would be January 7th, 587 B.C. 587 B.C. So this message came to Ezekiel while Jerusalem was under siege by the Babylonians and just seven months before the city of Jerusalem was conquered and destroyed by the Babylonians. So that's, that's our, our time frame here as the Lord has this 
prophecy against Egypt, it's at the same time that Jerusalem is under siege and about to be destroyed. And that's important because we know the Bible tells us that the king of Judah, Zedekiah, he sent messengers to Egypt asking Egypt to come help them fight off the Babylonian siege. And so there were still people in Judah, in Jerusalem at this time who were waiting for and hoping in the Egyptians to show up and rescue them from the Babylonians. But the Egyptians never came. The Egyptians never showed. So here's the prophecy against Egypt. Verse 2, son of man, set your face against Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and prophesy against him and against all of Egypt. Speak and say, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against you, O Pharaoh, king of Egypt, O great monster who lies in the midst of his rivers, who has said, my river is my own. I have made it for myself. Now, the Pharaoh at this time was a man named Hafra. Hafra. He was the Pharaoh. Of Egypt, And here God in pronouncing this judgment against Hafra, the Pharaoh, king of Egypt, here Hafra is described as a great monster in the Nile River. And this is referring to a Nile River crocodile, a very large crocodile that ruled the Nile River. In Egyptian inscriptions, the Pharaoh is often compared to a ferocious crocodile. And the Pharaoh, we're told here, this Pharaoh, Hafra, he he boasted that the Nile River was his own. Do you see that in verse 3? My river is my own. I have made it for myself. He boasted that the Nile River was his own and that he made or created the Nile River. Now, the Nile River is what made Egypt so wealthy and prosperous and strong as a nation and powerful. And this Pharaoh, Hafra, in his pride, he, he took credit for the Nile River. He, even claiming to create it, that the, the Nile River belongs to him. He, he took credit for all of the prosperity the river provided. You know, and basically said, I, I did all of this. I created all of this prosperity and wealth and, and power that our nation ha- has enjoyed. I did it. And once, once again, we see the sin of pride and self-exaltation. And this seems to be a common theme with the leaders of these nations that God judges. And God is against the proud. We'll return to Pastor Dan's message in just a moment. First, Pastor Dan would like to tell you about the new Calvary Chapel Ellicott City app. We recently launched an app for our church and we're really excited about it. It's designed to keep you connected to our radio ministry, Ring of Truth, as well as to our church, Calvary Chapel. And get this, we have over 1,200 sermons on the app. The app is super convenient, it's easy to use, and allows you to listen to Bible studies anytime, anywhere. So download the app right now, search for Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in your app store, or just follow the links on our website at calvaryec.com. What a great way to stay connected to Scripture. Now, back to today's message on Ring of Truth. 
He doesn't want us boasting in ourselves or promoting self or taking credit for something he's done. I, I mentioned this verse, I think, last week, 1 Corinthians 4, 7. What do you have that you did not receive from the Lord? So why do we act like we didn't receive it? But it's our own doing. And sometimes we can take for granted what God has provided for us and take credit for what God has done. And, and we can think that we made it ourselves. But God is the one who provides us with the abilities and the resources and the opportunities and the open doors and all of it. And so instead of claiming our own greatness like the Egyptians, we should proclaim the greatness of God and give him all the credit and all the glory and say, the Lord has done this. The Lord has done this and give all praise to the Lord, not not to ourselves, you know, to have humility and true humility, not a false humility. I I know I'm nobody, but continue to praise me, you know, kind of thing. (laughs) Now, watch what God says in verse four. I love this. He says, I will put hooks in your jaws and I will cause the fish of your rivers to stick to your scales. And I will bring you up out of the midst of your rivers and all the fish in your rivers will stick to your scales. And I will leave you in the wilderness, the desert. Don't think woods, think desert. You and all the fish of your rivers, you shall fall on the open field You shall not be picked up or gathered. I have given you as food to the beasts of the field and to the birds of heaven. Now, God just described Pharaoh as a great crocodile, ferocious crocodile. And that's how the Egyptians described their Pharaoh as this ferocious crocodile. And then God says, I'm going to put a hook in your jaw and I'm going to drag you up out of the river and I'm going to take you out in the desert for you to die. Don't you love that when God talks like that? Now, for you Bible nerds here, you Bible nerds, God is actually describing something that the Egyptians actually did to hunt and kill crocodiles that were in the Nile River. So get this. The Egyptians, we have written descriptions of what they would do. The Egyptians would take a large hook on a rope and they would put a slab of pork on the hook and toss it out in the Nile River. And then, this is the good part, they would stand on the shore of the Nile River with a live pig. And they would take a stick and they would beat the pig. So it would start squealing. And the crocodiles would hear the sound of the squealing and they would come towards the sound of the squealing pig and come upon the big piece of pork in the river eat the pork, swallow the hook. Then they would pull that crocodile up on shore and that crocodile would get tangled up in the rope and then they'd slaughter it. I think the Egyptians were the original rednecks. I mean, that is like, that's like something you'd see on A&E or Duck Dynasty or something like that, you know, crocodile hunting with just a hook and a rope and a slab of pig and beating a pig with a stick to make it squeal. My, my, you know, my point is God uses imagery here that was very familiar to the Egyptians. They knew exactly what he was describing, but he's talking metaphorically about what he's going to do to their Pharaoh, to their king, Hafra. In verse four, he talks about the fish of your rivers to stick to your scales. Uh, and then again, he mentions it later in verse four, all the fish in your river will stick 
to your, your scales. There were little fish in the Nile River that would suction to the crocodiles. Uh, you maybe have seen something like that, where if you've ever been fishing in the ocean, uh, where there's the, you know, the remoras that often will suction to the bottom of your boat when you're out deep sea fishing and that kind of thing. Well, there's little fish that would suction to the crocodiles. When the crocodile gets pulled up out of the water, those fish are going to get pulled up out of the water as well. What is he talking about? He's talking about all those that are loyal to the Pharaoh will suffer the same fate. All the people that have attached themselves to the Pharaoh. All the little suckers that are stuck to that Pharaoh. They're going to be experiencing the same thing. Pharaoh will be left in the desert. And look in this description given as food at the end of verse 5. They're going to be given as food. The Pharaoh is going to be given as food to the beasts of the field and to the birds of, of heaven. In other words, this Pharaoh, Hafra, is not going to receive a proper burial. And I want you to think about what little bit of knowledge you may have about the Pharaoh's tombs that have been discovered in Egypt and all of the treasures that were buried with the Pharaohs. You know, you've seen pictures of King Tut's treasures, King Tut's tomb, and all the treasures that were in his tomb. The Egyptians honored their dead, especially the pharaohs. And the reason the Egyptians did this is because the Egyptians believed that if a person was not properly buried, or if they were left unburied, as is described here, they believed that their spirit would not find rest and that their spirit would just roam the earth forever. Now, that's not true, of course. We know that's not true. The Bible says it is appointed unto, unto man once to die, and then comes the, the judgment, they're judged by God, so that spirit, the spirit of a person either goes to heaven or it goes to hell. It doesn't roam on the earth. But the Egyptians believed that the spirit of the unburied just kind of restlessly roamed the earth, and so it was considered a great dishonor and disgrace to leave someone un, unburied. And so what God says here that he's going to do to their king, to their pharaoh, would have been terrifying for the Egyptians to hear. They're going to, he's going to do this. And the reason for this judgment is told in verse 6. Then all the inhabitants of Egypt shall know that I'm the Lord. I'm the Lord. Pharaoh in his pride claimed to be deity, the maker of the Nile River. And God is proving and showing that he's the Lord. He goes on to say, because, again, he uses this word because with each nation that he judges. This is a... This is why he's judging the nation, because they have been a staff of reed to the house of Israel. When they took hold of you with the hand, you broke and tore all their shoulders. When they leaned on you, you broke and made all their backs quiver. Israel leaned on Egypt for help. And Egypt said they would help. When, when Israel or Judah sent messengers to Egypt asking for military help. Egypt agreed and said, we'll send our military to help you. But then they never showed up. They never did. The Egyptians had a reputation for making promises and not keeping them. And so Israel leaned on Egypt like leaning on a staff. And Egypt never came through for them as they promised. And so Israel suffered great injury, greater injury, because they tried to lean upon Egypt, And that's what's described here, you know, leaning on this staff, the staff breaks, you tear your shoulder, you throw your back out because the staff doesn't hold you up. And that's what would happen 
to Israel. I just want to read one passage of Scripture for you out of 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 20. The Lord says, you speak of having plans and power for war, but they are mere words. And in whom do you trust that you rebel against me? Now, look, you are trusting in the staff of this broken reed, Egypt, on which if a man leans, it will go into his hand and pierce it. So is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who trust in him. Again, Egypt is a picture of the world for us. We look to the world for help. We look to the world to save us. We, we look to, to the world for answers. We look to the world for hope. We look for the world to help instead of the Lord. And you're going to come away from that more injured. You're going to come away from that hurting. Injured by the world. So understand, it was, it was the sin of the Jews to put their trust in Egypt instead of the Lord, but it was Egypt's sin to promise to help the Jews and then not come through. And for this reason, God is judging the Egyptians. Because they said they would help, and then they never helped. They never came through. And so I think there's a, there's a secondary lesson here for us with Egypt. It's a simple lesson, but it's an important lesson. And the lesson is this. We should be people of our word. We should keep our promises. James says, let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. We should keep the commitments we make, especially when people are counting on us. We live in a day where it is common for people to not keep their word and not show up and not do what they say they're going to do. And that shouldn't be the case for believers the Egyptians promised to help Israel fight against the Babylonians. As this is being written, Jerusalem is under siege and the people in Jerusalem are waiting for the Egyptian army to show up and save the day. And the Egyptian army never showed. They didn't show up like they said they would. And so now God is judging them. Therefore, thus says the Lord, verse 8, Surely I will bring a sword upon you and cut off from you Man and beast and the land of Egypt shall become desolate and waste. Then they will know I am the Lord because he said the river is mine and I have made it. Speaking of the Pharaoh's boasting here and his pride. Indeed, therefore, I am against you and against your rivers. And I will make the land of Egypt utterly waste and desolate from Migdal to, to Sine as far as the border of Ethi. Opia. This is this is like saying from Dan to Beersheba in Israel or from coast to coast, you know, the, from one end of the nation to the other. God says, I'm going to make Egypt waste and desolate. Neither foot of man shall pass through it, nor foot of beast shall pass through it, and it shall be uninhabited 40 years. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest crystal. We're so glad you tuned in to hear today's edition of Ring of Truth as we continue our verse-by-verse -verse study through the book of Ezekiel together. If you'd like to hear this message again or more from Pastor Dan, feel free to visit our website at calvaryec.com. You can listen to and download a wide range of previous broadcasts or simply subscribe to our podcast. Sometimes life can get busy. And when it gets busy, it can be hard to find the time to dig deeper into the Bible for ourselves. At Ring of Truth, we've tried to make it a bit easier for you. Our podcasts provide you with up-to-date teachings through the Bible and can be taken with you wherever you go. This way, you'll have encouragement from God's Word throughout the day. 
You'll find a link to subscribe to our podcast at our website, calvaryec.com, or just search for Ring of Truth in iTunes. We'd love to hear how Ring of Truth has had an impact on your life. So please let us know by giving us a call at 410-491-4592. That number again is 410-491-4592. We'd also love to be praying for you. So when you call, feel free to share any prayer requests that are on your heart, and we'd be happy to pray with and for you. Well, that's all we have time for today. Join us next time as Pastor Dan continues teaching verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of Ezekiel, right here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that crack.